0: guys welcome to Mm environmental i'm mary i'm emma and i'm emily we're college students who love learning about our earth and we're eager to share our journey
1: environmental is a radio show committed to blowing your mind with all things environmental we'll explore topics such as climate change pollution and sustainability join us for a 3 a.m existential crisis broadcasted at 3 p.m for your convenience
2: so we had our q a with kramer episode last week but there are some questions that we didn't get to so today we're going to finish answering your questions again thank you so much for submitting if you did um and we did get quite a few so if we don't answer your question today we apologize but thank you so much for
1: submitting and And being interested in the environment yeah we just get going. Get, get, yeah, <laughs> might as well. well let's do right it. in. Um.
2: So, really heavy uh, topic to start off. We're gonna talk about how. How? Okay.
0: Get serious. I. <laughs> do you want me to read the question and then you can? And answer then I'll it. pretend to answer. Okay. <clears throat> Emily. Yes? How is taxing the, to the to public going to help the environment? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs>
2: So, an MIT study finds that putting a price on carbon in the form of a fee or a tax on the use of fossil fuels, coupled with returning in generated revenue to the public in one form or another, can be an effective way to curb emissions of greenhouse gases. Tax ash? No. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I, because when we had our bill with the um
1: carbon tax carbon
2: tax on it uh-huh i remember that was obviously we talked about that then and i remember hearing like how it's it's an efficient economic way to solve efficient or inefficient it it is efficient so it's like but people but like economics agree like economists yeah. agree it's not just like
1: It's kind of crazy. crazy. It's basic microeconomics, like 101. Mm -hmm. Yeah, guys, this is basic (laughs) microeconomics. That's why they have us take, as an environmental science major, have us take microeconomics or some amount of economics Mm -hmm. to, like, kind of show the like, when costs go up, it means people will use, buy less, Mm -hmm. usually. So, but then also things like, you know, like the soda tax how they have, like, sugary sodas. They mm-hmm. have a little tax because yeah. they're trying to, in one way, get people to, like, not buy sodas so they'd be healthier. But then also they know that people will buy soda anyways so that that tax can be then used to, like, fight diabetes later down the road. So mm-hmm. it can be, like,
0: reallocated. <laughs> or, like, kind of also, like, the cigarette. I didn't know there was a soda tax, but also, mm-hmm. like, cigarette taxes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep.
2: Um, so one of the concerns was if a tax like this would hurt um, – low-income households, um, and they were kind of talking about one of their s- studies that they tried was having the highest starting value and the highest rate of increase, um, which obviously produced the greatest emission reductions, because when you're, you know, tax, they, the taxes the highest, the less people emit, um, but... The study showed that even the lowest taxation rates could in themselves lead to reductions sufficient to meet the U.S. near um, their, the U.S.'s once committed <laughs> to the 2015 Paris Agreement. So it would also help us, it would help the us on that front as well. Okay, so what the tax would do would basically it'd be combining the basic strategy of providing tax breaks to corporations but adding a rebate to low-income families most affected by the tax um, so it would virtually eliminate the regressive aspects of the tax as very little cost and um, overall um, efficiency um, so it's this might be the most appealing options they had a few but why talk about the ones that don't work um, so in my favorite part was that it said it could have appeal for both conservatives concerned about the cost of such a program and for liberals concerned about the possible impacts on those in the lower end of the economic spectrum. Um, but then I also just wanted to note that the study was completed before the tax reform that took effect on January um, that slashed corporate income tax rates. But I've seen on the very reliable Twitter <laughs> that, like, yeah. you know, some there are... Companies that still don't pay taxes, so mm. I don't know what that's about. Interesting. Well,
1: in the, the the climate, not the climate tax, the carbon tax that we just had in Washington mm-hmm. last year, and then the year before that, the thing is, is a lot of people are like misguided and thinking that the public is going to be like <laughs> destroyed by these taxes. You're like, right. oh my gosh! But it's because the companies that are emitting this carbon are paying millions of dollars to tell you that your life will be ruined because of these taxes when that is not true and they're just trying to spend the money so that they don't have to be taxed later. So just kind of something to think about.
2: I think also just tax is like a scary word and so even just calling it something else maybe would appeal to more people but um, it is going to help
1: yeah, and there's been a lot of studies that said that that is going to be like the most efficient way to do things mm-hmm. economically. So um, it's it's not just environmentalists saying that we should tax people. It's like economic. Yeah, it's like communist. actually,
0: yeah, the thing that needs to happen. Oh wait, vote <laughs> and vote. Um, so our next question is NASA and other organizations that study planetary climates and solar activity had stated the primary factor to climate change is the sun humans contribute but to what degree is solar activity contributing to climate change compared to humans what are they contributing exactly and that question was from John Garcia thank you for thank the question you. and that's a real. I think That's a really good question. I was very impressed Um, because I feel like just the, like, average American or average human doesn't even know, like, about solar activity and its effects with climate change. But um, I could refer you to our climate change episode (laughs) um, where we kind of touched on this subject. Uh, So basically... I, you're asking, like, like how is solar activity, how does that influence climate change, and how do humans influence climate change? So, um, humans aren't, uh, they're not, like, increasing the amount of solar activity or solar radiation that is coming into our system, but we're increasing the amount of greenhouse gases, which, which traps that energy from the sun that traps it into our system and that creates like the warming and the climate change i could tell you about incoming shortwave radiation (laughs) if i say it one more time i'm
1: gonna (laughs) well and then we also talked about in our climate change episode that the sun does have varying effects that it does go through cycles um where, did we talk about that in our college episode about the sun cycles? I don't remember if I Let's talk that about out. it now. Okay. <laughs> um, the sun does go through different cycles of, um, like, different amount of sunspots that it has. And different amount of sunspots mean different amounts of energy output to the mm-hmm. Earth. Um, and these are all tracked. I think um, the sunspot cycleation I think it's 11-year or 12-year cycle. And scientists have this kind of all tracked out. So they kind of um, fairly understand how much energy the sun is releasing at any point in time. Um, And it is shown that human impact is much greater than the solar actual sun variation in energy. So even though the sun does vary slightly in how much solar energy it does release, the human impact is much, much greater. And um, the climate scientists put this into their models. for calculating mm. how much energy is trapped in the system. So yeah. they know that those variations are happening. So,
0: yes. Ooh.
1: All right, cool. Uh, I'll ask the next question. Um, how will climate change affect the Vancouver and Portland metro area from Andrew? Ooh, okay. This is really interesting, I think, because this is really important to us to think about, like, what is going to happen here. And I think we kind of joke about, like, oh, Pacific Northwest is, like, probably the best place to move to with climate change. But there's still definitely impacts that will happen.
0: Yeah. So, um, Andrew, if you're out there listening right now, I know that you are a skier. And one effect of climate change that is going to affect you personally and your loved hobbies (laughs) hobbies <laughs> is, um, snowpack. So we, in the future, we, um, are going to get less snowpack. We're going to get less snow and more rain in the winter. And the snow that we do get is going to be melting earlier in the season. So that means less snow for you to ski on. <sighs> Ooh. Um, yes. Uh, so, we're also supposed to get an increased annual temperature of about 2 degrees Fahrenheit by the 2020s, which is right now, <gasps> and 3.2 degrees Fahrenheit by the 2040s, so in the next 10 years. Um, we are also supposed to see an increase, a slight increase in precipitation of 1 to 2 percent and virtual in virtually all climate scenarios um predict increases in wildfires in the western uh North America, specifically east of the cascades where it has a more um deserty climate um forests are also greatly at risk for changing temperatures uh warmer tents increases the the range of oh wait, did I put this I wrote that bottom. oh I'm sorry. <laughs> <if you> <laughs> Um, but that mine was linking into what you were
1: gonna say. You kind of skipped over this other part. Was that um, less winter snow, so less snowpack, um, and then it'll be warmer, so then the snow will melt sooner. Um, so this will call cause an earlier peak spring stream flow, and then which means all of it will melt in the spring. So then there'll be less um, water in the summertime. And this, um, luckily, our water supplies mostly regulated by dams. Um, but this can lower stream flow um, during the summer, which we were just talking about in my watershed class, that um, fishes in these rivers, then their rivers are depleted of water. And then the their temperature of this water is also greatly increased, which um, impacts them, um, their survivability, which we talk about in our salmon episode, um, that like warmer Um, Rivers are greatly reducing um, the amount of salmon. Um, And then this also adds stress to farmers who maybe irrigate their crops and they pull water out of these rivers. So there'll be a big kind of back and forth with, do you save the fish in the rivers or do you save the farmer's ability to irrigate their land, which supplies food to like everyone in the region. So there'll be Dang. this really big conflict that'll happen. And farmers might have to adapt to irrigation less crops, um, which depending on what they're planting, if they're planting trees that take a long time to grow, this might be hard to adapt their entire, you know, apple tree orchard into something that doesn't need water. But if they're growing something um, that only has a shorter cycle then it might be easy for them to adapt but these are just conflicts we'll have to deal with yeah and then forests especially are like greatly at risk um, based on um, wildfires which are scary Um, but then also the change in increasing in temperature also increases the range of pine beetles which um, can greatly increase the risk of tree mortality because Mm. there's a warmer area there's less snow in some areas so then the pine beetles are able to live there now because there's no snow and then they can attack the trees which are already susceptible to a lot of other things so
0: so you're gonna get less snow um (laughs) hotter temperatures less salmon less food less trees
2: perfect (laughs) thanks andrew (laughs) um i'll ask do um this is from our Dedicated listener, Byron, do you think the consistent climate protests around the world are having an impact? And if so,
1: how? Thank you, Byron, yes, for this question. Thank you. Um, I immediately upon hearing this was saying yes in my head because um, even because we, Mary and I, just went to the climate um, strike in September, end of September, and um, I think personally it like makes an impact and makes me feel like connected um, to everyone it makes it feel like I'm doing my part but um, I think it's like really obvious from how many more climate protests there have been um, just over the last year um, yeah. that the support for climate change is readily increasing um, so I think that in among itself means that it's making an impact because if more and more people are Um, striking that means that more and more people care about this which is kind of the whole reason we have the show is kind of like just to make you care about the environment yeah
2: Um,
1: and then another big aspect of um, how it's having a big impact is um, politicians who make our laws um, they don't talk to every single individual voter it's impossible for them to do that um, what they do is they receive letters, they um, look at polls, and then they also look at the, the public media, and public media reports on when there's been big protests. So if there's a climate protest, it pops up on the news, the politicians see it, and they see that there is public support for this. And this is happening more and more and more, so it's harder for the politicians to ignore this vast amount of public awareness and um, acceptance for this. So. I think then that will lead politicians to be more likely to pass um, environmental protection laws. So,
0: yeah. Any thoughts, you guys? Uh, Yeah, I think it... um, If the question is, does it have, like, impact on just, like, people, like, everyday citizens, I say definitely it does. People see the protests in the news, and it just puts the concept of climate change in their mind. So at least you know, it just, you know, does what it is meant to do, which is it brings awareness. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, people um, have been seeing it more in the news and, um, yeah, it definitely brings awareness to it. Yeah. Thanks. Barb. Thank you.
2: So our next question is about composting. So, how would you suggest starting composting? And what kinds of things can I compost? From Sabrina. Thank
0: uh, you, Sabrina. So, yes, thank you, Sabrina. So, you can compost anything organic. Um, and this can range from, like, your fruit and veggie scraps, uh, coffee grounds, eggshells. Um, you can also compost lar- uh, yard debris, Um so like grass and plants and um, leaves, um, things you don't. Oh, you can also compost newspaper. Um, just make sure to shred it up into little strips so that I can decompose more quickly. Um, things you shouldn't compost are things like large branches, wood chips, cardboard, and office paper. Just because it takes, um, it could take a really long time for it to break down. Um, also. Don't compost your dog and cat poop because <laughs> what? there's just not a lot of uh, nutrients. It's literal waste, and you don't need that. Mm. Um, and also, it's generally a good idea to not compost uh, meat. Um, I think that's very, like,
1: personal compost. You really shouldn't compost meat. Cause, but the big, like, if your city has compost, oh, yeah. you, can have, you can have meat because it's um, – they process it more quickly versus like your own home. If you have put meat in your compost, it'll attract like maggots and stuff. right? And it's really nasty <laughs> right. and you, you don't want to deal with that. So just don't <laughs> compost meat in your own yard. But if your city does it, you can. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we, we can compost. Um, like meat and bones, but, and, oh, really? um, and like small, like chicken, chicken carcasses and stuff. But it says like <laughs> no large animal carcasses. So like if you're, you're a hunter oh, and you like get a deer and then um, you got the
0: guts, Yeah, cleaning it up
1: and don't just throw the whole thing <laughs> <in your> compost, <laughs> um, but you can, um, in s- some cities, compost meat and bones, so.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. So I wonder what they do with the guts and stuff and feed it to their dogs. <laughs> uh, they usually will leave it. They'll clean it at the site, and then they'll
1: leave it for vultures and oh. bears and stuff. So they kind of, like, leave that behind oh. to be reused.
0: I yeah. didn't know that.
1: It's kind of gross because I went hiking once, and we just came upon an oh. entire inside of a a deer or an elk. and. Oh. All just literally all the insides placed in this like little spot. I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is stinky. Let's keep walking. (laughs) Oh, that's really. That's. I'm sorry you (laughs) had to go through that. That sounds traumatizing. Okay. Um, so if you want to just (laughs) compost at your house, um, then you can do what's called cold composting, which is probably the most straightforward way to do it, and that's. Literally, you just take all your composting ingredients, and you just put it in a pile in your yard, and you let it decompose, and that's that. Um, You can also get more uh, fancy and advanced and get, like, a bin or a tumbler, um, and that, the tumblers, like, mix up all the contents, Um, but if you want to compost, really all you have to do is start a pile in your yard if you can. Um... So there are two main ingredients to composting. There's carbon suppliers and nitrogen suppliers. Uh, Carbon suppliers are brown materials. They don't have to be brown, but those are going to be things like leaves and shredded newspaper. And nitrogen suppliers are green ingredients like uh, plants, coffee grounds, and fresh grass. Um, Ideally, you want the carbon to nitrogen ratio to be a 30 to 1 ratio, so more brown materials than green. Because that gives the perfect balance of two decomposed materials, but no one expects you to be checking your carbon to nitrogen ratio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're a total compost nerd. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have a worm bin. And so, but (laughs) it's kind of funny though, because we don't put uh, totally everything in there. Because, you know, the worms don't like some of the stuff. Yeah. Mm. So, I don't know. I think they break it down faster, but they can't break everything down. So, you have to be more mindful. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but, yeah, we've just always had that. And so, what kind of stuff do you can you not put in a worm bin? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure because I don't know if it's stuff
2: that we, you can't or that my mom just doesn't want to put in. Makes sense. Because, like, again, the maggot thing... Yeah, um, it's nasty.
1: We don't want to... ...create an environment
2: for that to happen. So it's it's mainly the same things that you mentioned, like, eggshells and um, vegetables and organic foods.
0: So I have a question that I don't know if can be answered right now, but, like, what about, like, mold? Like, especially here in the Northwest, when it's like really rainy outside, like wouldn't it also get moldy or no? Um, I
1: think, think I've seen like mold on top, but then the microorganisms inside and like underneath, they maybe probably attack the mold or eat it, or
0: it's not <laughs> like the whole soil
1: is like moldy all the way through. Because okay. that makes sense, it, it would be like wet and right. Th- that would happen. But like, I think mold also has its own kind of environment that it likes. Um, so being totally under the soil, like, that wouldn't be
0: super beneficial for it. Okay. Like, you don't get mold in your worm bin, right?
2: I in think way. if it would just be part of the decomposing process, like, it would just get fuzzy and more easy to break down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, though. I, I was, When you started saying that, I was imagining <laughs> scraping off the mold off the side of your house and putting it in the
0: thing like <laughs> <No. laughs> like adding mold to the <laughs> com- <laughs> composting mold <laughs> yeah uh, not recommended I yeah think. yeah I don't think uh. you're supposed to put that in your compost <laughs>
2: um so yeah. do we want to do we have a, a question unanswered
1: but no I think, don't do it <laughs> oh okay uh-huh. wait the one we don't have an answer to this wait. is a and a we're supposed to have answers no okay but
0: Wait, which one? Number seven? Yeah. Number seven? We, we can, can try. I mean... We can just have a, a discussion. Yes. Okay, it. so...
2: <laughs> no, well, we have to say it now anyways. We can talk <laughs> about this. Um, so, Gabby asked, how much of an environmental impact will Starbucks have by not using dairy? Um, I was
1: wondering, is that from something? So, that was
2: my to? first question, was I didn't know Starbucks was planning on not going dairy. So... Or, or is that I
0: just an idea. Googled it very briefly <laughs> and I didn't find it. <laughs> With anything. our expertise, but also as a Starbucks consumer myself, I have noticed that they do have new like specialty drinks mm-hmm. and all their new specialty drinks like their selling point is that they're dairy free. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's what she was referring to maybe
1: or even just the overall environmental impact cuz if us is hu- it's like us as humans like we change our diet to not have animal products, which mm-hmm. include dairy. Um, that does have a beneficial impact on yeah. decreasing greenhouse gases, which yeah. we've talked about. Um, so like just to think of all of Starbucks doing that like in general, um, uh, that would totally make a huge impact, but I feel like Starbucks would never do that. And then, or then the people that really, really want dairy in their coffee would we'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. Or yeah. add their own milk in afterwards, or something like that. So um, they would just go elsewhere. So wouldn't it change too much, um, unless Starbucks like made it free to have the adding almond milk because I know or soy mm-hmm. milk or Coconut oat milk, milk or whatever. Um, so then, because I think now they they charge you to add um, almond milk instead of yeah. Pretty much milk. anywhere
0: yeah. will charge you if you're doing
1: non dairy yeah. milk. So unless Starbucks like made it free to do that, then I don't think it would, um, it would change too much. Yeah. But I
2: did hear that um, Starbucks will start having um, alternative meat options in their like sandwiches.
0: Oh really? Um,
2: So I think that is also like a good step.
0: That's awesome. Um, I'm
2: pretty sure it's probably the Beyond Meat. Um, with I don't know what they sell for their breakfast sandwiches, but they're basically saying that they would. Cool. I believe that they said mm. that they would start doing that.
0: That's cool. So. That's really great. They have a really good breakfast sandwich and it has beef in it and I'm I'm really sad when I can't get it. So it'd be awesome if they used <laughs> yeah. like Beyond burger beef. Um so oh
2: yeah, so so thank you for asking that, Gabby. Um We appreciate you.
1: Yes. So, next question next comes question. from Sabrina. How can I use my electricity more efficiently, and why is it important?
2: Ooh, okay. I, yeah. I've also had this topic has come up recently.
0: This is an important it?
1: topic. I did a whole, like, project on energy efficiency, so.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, you guys chime in. I just have, like, some, like, small little. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Points, but, I mean, like, little things, like, you know, turn off your lights when you leave a room. Uh, roommates, are you listening? So, <laughs> that's, I need to stop you right there. <laughs> okay,
2: I have had multiple occasions where I've brought that up, like, oh, you like, don't forget to turn off the lights, and then the, the res- response was, was like, well, what, it doesn't make that much difference, like, does the,
0: it, it does, though. It does. Yeah. It adds up.
2: So, how do I, how would I? Okay.
0: So how do I how do I convey that? So it's like saving anything. If you when you're saving money, if you add five or ten or fifteen dollars to mm-hmm. your savings account
2: oh. every week, if you just
0: do it once, you're like, man, that's only five bucks. If you do it <laughs> for like two months, you you're it adds up. Yeah. Right. So that's like point. if you pay rent at a
2: house and then you're just leaving the lights on, it's like you're just throwing away your five dollars yeah. down
1: the drain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it is money, so. so.
0: okay. All right. Okay. Also, I just thought of this point on my own, um, <laughs> but you could, like, turn off your heater or your AC if you're leaving for the day. That way it's not running and maintaining a temperature yeah. for no one in the house to enjoy. But then would it, like, um, require more energy? So if mm. you leave and then your house gets really cold and then you turn on the heater, is that going to require more energy to, like, heat it up more because it got colder? I don't I know. Th- yeah,
2: I think it depends on, like, what yeah. facility you use or, like, in your house. Because mm-hmm. we just got new um, installa- installation Smart. It's like, like a, smart thermostat. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, those are cool. And so it's, like, it regulates itself. So I think maybe if you had something like that,
1: but if you had an old, like, rickety radiator. I think it depends on how, like, cold or hot it is outside, because if it's, like, negative 10 degrees outside and you turn off your entire (laughs) everything and leave, like, that would suck up a ton of energy, but if you, you know, just turned it down 10 degrees when you left, you'd be Mm. saving that energy, and and then it wouldn't require that huge amount of energy to, like, um, warm it back up, and if you have pets or, like, plants or something, like, that 10 degrees wouldn't would likely not be a big difference to mm-hmm. them and, um, like wouldn't matter. It's just your own personal, um, human thermostat doesn't like it being like that cold. So, yeah, 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 those thermostats are cool. My, um, sister has those and then it automatically at nighttime goes down to like 50, 50 degrees or something. Um, so then even oh, I that's not that
2: smart. That sounds cool. You can
1: decrease it, yeah, and then it will automatically, it can sense it. Well, you change it every now and then, and it tells, oh, they wake up at 5 a.m., I should make sure to have the house warm. Like a
2: nest or something? Yeah, the nest. The yeah, nest.
1: make it warm by 5 o'clock so that they're happy, and then it they can tell that you, like, turn it down before you leave, and then it, like, does it automatically. Oh, my gosh, that
0: reminds me of, like, Smart House, that Disney oh, Channel movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, you Just know, like Smart House. Growing up, how we, ter- how we regulated the temperature was with a sweater.
0: Yeah, so yeah. You can Back in our day. <laughs>
1: also, do that at our house. I keep it, we try to keep the house at like 65. Um, and then I, I put a sweater on. So
0: yeah. Yeah. And you can put your like cute fuzzy socks on. Yeah. And so you can snuggle socks. up with all your
2: squishy plush toys yeah. that you got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they were oh, called. Oh, you are talking. That's <laughs> so
0: yeah. funny. Okay. Moving on. Also, to improve the efficiency of your electricity, um, you can make sure that your house has proper insulation. Um, so make sure that you have like well insulated windows that you're not um, that you're not getting a draft <laughs> from outside. <laughs> um, yeah, so make sure that you're not losing mm. heat or losing like your cold air from just like from gaps in your door or. A fully, fully, fully windows, completely
1: insulated house, like, that's super duper insulated, mm-hmm. can be heated by a hairdryer. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. The insulation is, like, a really big thing. So if you're ever are getting a new house or something and can put in extra insulation, it's really cool. Oh. Yeah. There's, that's There's, like, crazy. cool YouTube videos on, like, <laughs> extra insulated houses, and they are literally, like, use a lot more material to
0: make but then you can
1: literally like
0: so we can oh solve god. climate change yeah. <laughs> by just getting really insulated houses and then heating up your house with a hairdryer yeah.
2: imagine if you had a family though and you had to, you to, know to actually hair dry your hair and it, yeah like when <laughs> your kid blow dries their hair and then you're like oh my
1: god it's now it's 80 degrees yeah. <laughs> I think that's what windows are for, then, to True. help regulate.
0: There yeah. you go. Speaking of windows, oh. you could consider replacing your windows. That is genius. Um, so double panel windows and other vinyl frames are much better than single pane windows and aluminum frames. Um, so if you have either of those. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, sorry, we had a, so we, we, outside.
2: Yeah, we had an outside noise.
0: Uh, so yes, you could replace your windows. Um, I know that like that's you know, not everyone can just up and replace all their windows but you if you broke a window or something and you have to get a new one, consider like double. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, yeah, my parents have been really good about you know, keep we have a pretty old house
2: so we got new windows if you or um and even new like screen doors like oh. or a glass or back door mm-hmm. is all newly um insulated so nice I've noticed like it's like it's not cold around the window as it used Mm to be like in my room yeah because it's you know there's no
1: that can be a good way to decrease mold too because I know a lot of the really older houses they have a lot of a lot of condensation on the single pane windows and then there has makes a lot of mold and it's really nasty yeah. There you so it's okay and and if you it you're in your th- Like if you're gonna rent a new place, try to see if they have double pane because then you'll probably have less mold also. So there you go.
2: You throw the mold in your compost. <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding.
0: Yeah. laughs> um all right. You can also switch your light bulbs to L E D or C F L bulbs. Um, don't overuse your appliances. So if you're cold, don't crank up your heater to ninety degrees. Um, consider getting solar panels, um, and phantom electricity. Wait. <laughs> <is that? laughs> no, I just put that. I was, <laughs> oh.
2: So, so I have heard that like when you have your alarm plugged in, you have your radio oh. plugged in, you have okay. all of these appliances plugged in, even when you have them turned off. And I'm doing yeah. quotes. Mm-hmm. They're still sucking out energy. Yeah. So like, unplug your appliances, unplug or your... Or get the strips with the
1: off and <gasps> the on button. button. Oh. Yeah. So then when you leave, you can just turn off that's everything. That's what that's for. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So but so I put that there just to ask, like, if yeah. you guys knew about that.
0: And now I'm thinking of, like, everything in my house <laughs> that is always plugged in. Oh. Yeah,
1: I was, I was like, phantom electricity. I was like, what is that? And until you started talking, then I was like, okay, I know what that is. I was just thinking of, like, Danim, Danny Phantom, <laughs> their old school reference. Um, but why is it important to reduce your tell energy? Us, tell <laughs> us. Um, electricity may seem clean as we think about like, electric cars or super clean, but electricity is powered by burning gas and coal, which mm. some states are trying to um, change where their energy comes from. So it doesn't come from um, fossil fuels and trying to convert to clean power sources. But this is still kind of up and coming, it's still in progress, so a lot of your electricity does come from fossil fuels. So, which contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. So every light you turn off in your room is like decreasing greenhouse gas emissions, you're decreasing fuel use. So just think about that also. Um, Think about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And energy efficiency in among itself um, can reduce energy usage in, like, uh, energy-efficient appliances, um, homes, businesses, et cetera, um, they can reduce energy usage by 25%. It is actually a really big chunk of energy. Um, So all of this, like, you know, putting $5 in your bank account and then letting it grow, it's, like, this is growing. It's 25%. It's, like, this really big chunk. Um, And um, there's been studies that if we implemented a bunch of different energy efficiency um, tactics like doing new new dishwashers, new buildings, new um, all of these different sorts of um, energy efficiency things that we can actually get halfway to our 2050 goal oh, based wow. on the Paris uh, Climate Agreement. Mm-hmm. So combined, this can actually be a really big so. And lastly, it does also reduces energy demand, and energy demand puts pressure on the energy system. But then this also allows a reduced energy demand also means it'll be easier for renewable energy to kind of come in and um, take over fossil fuels. So, I was also
2: thinking like same same with electricity goes with water. Yeah, Um, like turn off your faucet when you're brushing your teeth, Mm -hmm. or like take shorter showers, or. (laughs) Um. <laughs> Don't <laughs> flush as much. <laughs> um. Because what I was thinking about, I remember as a kid seeing commercials about, like, brushing your teeth and you turn off the faucet while you brush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was one. I was like, um, I was a camp counselor, and there was we were, you know, we were all in the bathroom, kids, brushing our teeth, and none of the girls put like turned off the sink. And I was like, do they, do they not have a new recent commercial <laughs> telling them to? turn it off and so i think like yeah same same idea same idea like for electricity it goes for water
0: you can also get shower heads that like there's a little like switch thing on it and you can turn off not turn it off you can like stop the water flow oh so when you're like shaving your legs or just like you know like Mm -hmm. shampooing you can turn out water flow so you're not just like you know wasting Wasting water. water yeah
2: so um, I've heard the argument for that was like, well, water is recycled. Oh. Well. Yeah, it is. But it, 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 it is. takes energy
1: to recycle it. it takes,
2: yeah. yeah, it takes resources to like, yeah, to do that. Well, and so depending why, on
1: where your water comes from, because if your water comes from a closed aquifer that is not <laughs> replenished by groundwater, then you're just depleting an entire aquifer mm. for your showers. Oof. Nice so. going. What's <laughs> 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 us here? It's probably not us here, but in other places. Uh, next question um, comes from Isabel. Uh, what tips do you have for eating out while being environmentally conscious? Ooh. Thank you, Isabel.
2: So I was um, thinking, well, there's lots of things you can do um, to reduce your dining out waste. So my first thing is to just not, okay not order as much food as you think you you can eat because mm-hmm. um, we we all know about food waste. Um, and so, basically, order with your stomach, not your eyes because we all know food waste is bad. Um, but if you often find yourself with leftovers, um, keep a storage container in your car for your convenience. So Bring like, a
1: Tupperware yeah. to the store.
2: Um, so, if you know, like if you go to a restaurant often and you know that they have large portions then you can prepare and bring a tupperware um that's reusable um to to make sure that you're not wasting to go containers or food um (laughs) and then also when you're ordering just like being conscious of what you're saying like um if the waitress asks you for a straw like you don't have to take it um or like, if it's a serve serve yourself station, like don't grab the straw or mm-hmm. bring my your p- own utensils. Yeah, yeah. Um, my personal pet peeve is when people grab five thousand napkins. <laughs> like, why do you need that many napkins with your one meal? You know,
1: some um, people hoard napkins in their car. Probably I one th- of those. I also. That, yeah yeah
2: because it's like you you just want to be prepared. So you grab a handful of napkins, but it's like, you could, you could have just had one. So I've, I've had to work on that myself because I also used to be like, oh, I'll just save them for later. But then it's like, well, you could just not use
1: them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, And then, um, or when you're, you go out to eat, but, um, don't order to go because when you order to go more often than not, all of the containers that they put your food in are going to not be are going to be single-use yep. plastic.
1: Styrofoam.
2: Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, or styrofoam. Ooh. So, just... Just don't. Just don't.
1: Just eat in. <laughs> it's fine.
2: So, yeah, eat, eat, dine in, or um, just don't get to go. Because, yeah, again, you're just using all those resources up. Um, Then, also, when you're ordering, maybe you could order vegetarian options or... Um, vegan options that are on the menu because that's another way that you're reducing your emissions because we all know the good old um, agriculture industry so um, we we'll talk more about th- about that on our vote with our forks episode um, and then lastly I just kind of said find restaurants that align with your values so like if you believe in sustainability then there's restaurants that that take pride in following that um, yeah especially like or even just vegan restaurants or um, there's lots of places that are now like moving away like Burgerville requires you now to ask for utensils and asks for straws mm-hmm. um, or like if they it just depends on like what they use um, so I named some places that these are all vegetarian or like Places that don't use, um, like, <coughs> styrofoam. So I said the Veggie Grill. I actually don't. I, they're just a, um, a vegetarian restaurant in Portland. Um, Mighty Bowl. Thank you. I love you, Mighty Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they serve meat there, but um, they're really conscious about the environment. Yes. And then Blossoming Lotus is also a vegan restaurant in
0: Portland. Oh, cool. So. I really like Mighty Bowl because it, they give you, like, real utensils. They use, like, real bowls, real forks. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they also compost, don't they?
2: Yeah, they they have a compost bin when you go to bust your
0: plates. Yeah. So, everybody go to Mighty Bowl if you are <laughs> to go out. I think that with this question, like, the more I think about it, the solution is to just don't eat out because yeah. it's really hard to eat out and have, like, a zero-waste impact. So just, like, (laughs) I think that, like, you know, I don't – I think it's kind of hard to say, like, never eat out ever again in your entire (laughs) life, (laughs) ever. But, like, just do it less. Like, if you're – if you work a 9-to-5 job and you're picking up takeout every single day of the week, then maybe, like, cook at home and just – Meal bring prep? your lunch Meal to work. Prep. Meal yeah, prep.
1: yeah. You can save money and have better food and have less waste. So yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but kind of your point about you can never be zero emission. Like even if you drive, you're still driving to these places. So so you should okay. walk, ride <laughs> <while> your <laughs> bike.
1: Just don't move. Just, <laughs> just stop moving. Stop breathing. You're releasing carbon dioxide. <laughs> totally joking (laughs) emily no (laughs) (laughs) do what you can with what you have yes yes but being vegetarian or vegan is something you would like to do go for it but try to do at least one thing to make yeah
2: but yeah but even the fact that you're asking this question is a great step in the right direction yes so thank you
0: okay next question what are ways to get kids excited and knowledgeable about the importance of protecting the planet? Asked by Sabrina.
2: Um, Kristen actually helped me with this. Yeah. She said, take them outside. So I think the best way to get a kid excited about their environment is to take them outside and to experience their their habitat. <laughs>
1: their <laughs> natural habitat.
2: Because um, then, like, if they can physically touch it and experience or they have a fond memory of, like, oh, playing by the river, they're, then they're going to, like, want to protect it in the future. Um, and I, I know it's important for our future generations to be aware of how we need to treat our Earth, and when i went i went to a teacher workshop over the summer and so i like asked the elementary school teachers i was like are you do you teach about climate change to the to your kids and they were kind of like yes and no yes we teach about how it's important to like be aware but it's climate it's climate change and you can't really go in depth and like you know di- like kind of what we were saying it's kind of a morbid subject so when when you're talking to kids you can't just be like yeah we're actually killing our planet and we're all going to die and like you can't tell a kid <laughs> yeah. that yeah and so that was something that i had to learn was like i was like they it's you have to just learn as you grow um they they're not having they're not sitting down in class and being like you're the problem you know i don't know so yeah
0: but i think it would be like beneficial to just like teach them that it is a thing that, like, how they learn about, like, I don't know, weather and the the solar system and teach them also about climate change.
2: And I was definitely hopeful, like, all the teachers there do have a course or a day when they do talk about that. But then also, like, they chose to be at this conference. They chose to be here, so it's like, they're probably not really a good representation of
1: I not think, every teacher does that. Just right. the teachers mm-hmm. that were because it's there. not
2: yeah. in the curriculum. It's like you're, it's their decision. Yeah. Should it be in
1: the
0: curriculum? Yes. Yeah. It maybe
2: it is, but based off of what I learned, it was kind of like they kind of do their.
1: Well, I, thing. Think, <laughs> um, I think, I think, I think in like seventh grade, we were, you know you learn about greenhouse gases and like mm-hmm. the greenhouse gas effect. But I think mm-hmm. like starting slow and just like you know teaching what that is the fundamental then. Slowly over time, adding to that knowledge. Be like, hey, remember greenhouse effect? Oh yeah, we have way too much of it. Like, and keep going with it. Mm-hmm. But then also the youth nowadays, I think, do know a lot more about yeah. it with the youth climate strike action. Definitely. Um, and I think they shouldn't be they shouldn't be given put in the pressure on like knowing and figuring this out. But they also are young and they're they're mad about it, and that's like coming out and they're having strikes about it. They're like legit <laughs> mad about this and like wanting us to fix it. So I think having that um, younger voice is also important too. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: But where do I take my kids to take them outside?
1: <laughs> uh, there's lots of places. Um, I worked at uh, trackers, which is a summer camp for kids. Um, they teach kids nature skills, and then also how to respect nature, and then also they have a bunch of different fun camps like archery camps and ninja camps. But it's all like outside, what? so yeah, ninja camps. Ninja. They, they had a zombie survival camp with <gasps> Nerf guns. Whoa! Oh they, it was looked like so much fun. Um, so they, but the whole time they're outside and they're using. They're maybe having these fun ninja camps or zombie survival camp, but they're teaching them nature skills in the process so they're like oh you need to get away from the zombie what plants like what plants should we harvest that will like be food for us and then they like actually teach them like edible plants poisonous plants so it's like actually a teaching experience with fun and then um i think like Emily are saying like kids going out and playing by the river they have these memories and but then even like I remember having those memories like playing by the river all the time (laughs) Um, and I still remember my 5th grade trip to Cispus Outdoor School and so I think if your school has that that would be cool or just like taking your kid to an outdoor school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you guys have like an outdoor school? Yes. Yeah Yeah, 6th grade. 6th grade.
2: Our class was very upset because the camp that we went to, their water, you know, something happened and they didn't have clean water, so we had to just do it at school and we just had to be in the field. Oh, oh no. And so it wasn't overnight, so that was really oh, no. sad. But it's okay because um, I last summer I did it, and so I was my childhood was, was still filled <laughs> because I, I finally got to stay at. At summer camp, that's good. I mean, uh-huh. it was like three days, but uh, for outdoor school, yeah.
1: Do we have time
0: for one more question? Um yeah, what what should be? which one? Oh, the last one <laughs> the penguins or, these are pretty beefy. Oh, I think we should end with the penguins. I don't know if we should end on this <laughs> note. <laughs> oh, um, so, guys, are the penguins gonna be okay? <laughs>
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not all of them. According to the National Geographic, um, they pu- they um, pointed out a study that was published in Scientific Reports, led by oceanographer Megan, and they found that up to sixty percent oh, of no. the current Adélie penguin habitat in Antarctica could be unfit to host colonies by the end of the century. <gasps> They, a daily penguin is one of two true Antarctic penguins, the other being the emperor penguin that we all are aware of, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it inhabits the full extent of the continent. Um, so what happens is the penguins nest on land during the southern summer, and they migrate during the winter to the edge of the sea ice where they're able to feed at sea. Um, So, many Antarctic researchers believe that climate change will affect penguins through two primary pathways, the quality and availability of food and nesting habits. So, for the quality and availability of food, um, the warming seas, which you can learn more about in our sea level rise episode, um, it would reduce the abundance of penguins' prey, resulting in changes in the um, composition of the bird's diet. Oh, no. Um and climate change could also reduce the quality of many penguin nesting sites by precipi- precipitating changes in local weather. So we all know Antarctica's climate is generally cold, dry, and harsh. We've seen those those that documentary of all the penguins huddling in the March sh- of the Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Um but warming could yield unprecedented rain or prematurely melt snowfall, as Mary mentioned, um, creating puddles on the ground for penguins who lay their eggs on the eggs on the ground. Rain and puddles are bad because eggs can't survive when they're lying in a pool of water. Chicks don't have waterproof feathers and can't and can become wet and die from hypothermia. Oh God. <laughs> So you're drowning. No. They're not... You're drowning baby penguins if (laughs) you... Aww. Um, so yeah, the penguins are not going to be okay, but while the projections look grim for the penguins at the northern Lee latitudes, the study did also identify several places where the penguins could continue to thrive, um... So basically, there's locations where animals could survive periods of adverse climate uh, and safe havens that could support them in an otherwise inhabitable world.
0: Mm. And also real quick, um, Antarctica, we didn't get to that question, but Antarctica just um, like set a new record mm-hmm. for the oh highest yeah. temperatures. Mm-hmm. And I was I saw on Instagram um, some like nature account posted. Um, its effects on penguins and, like, baby penguins because they don't have, like, the feathers to, like, insulate themselves, so they can't regulate their body temperature as much or something. But, yes, so that's another way that penguins can be affected just by the crazy weather changes. Yeah, it was 64.5. I think it was, like, 69. Wow. Like, almost 70 degrees. Almost 70 Uh. degrees Fahrenheit (laughs) in the Antarctic. (laughs) The heck? Okay. And on that note. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> for
1: another interesting episode. And we missed a couple of good Should questions. Should we do 15
2: real quick? we got? We got six, six minutes. minutes. Sure. Um, so we just won't think this is important. We're all-female group. And so we had a question about low-waste period products. Which we did not want to ask our climate change <laughs> professor about last um, week, so. <laughs> so, Diva Cup, it's a silicone cup that catches blood and you can wear it for 12 hours and you wash and you boil it and you can reuse it. Um, so that's, it's a reusable tampon basically. Um, so that's, there's one option another.
0: there. It's um, pretty expensive though, but. You can also um, get on birth control. Um, you can use the pill, which the p- pill does have packaging waste, but there are other options like the shot, the uh, IUD, uh, Nexplan, which goes in your arm, which are all zero waste um, things. And also, you don't get your period. That's as as, awesome. as
1: many times, usually. I'm on, like, a tri-monthly, though, so I only get my period every three months. So. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Which one? Are you on the pill? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So, it's... Diff- it kind of changes your it can change your cycle so you have less periods. Right. But um, I
0: think with the IUD and the next blonde, you just don't get I don't know about it. but the IUD for sure, you just don't get your period at all. So
2: But then but if that's not the right option, then there are so you have the Diva Cup, There are also underwear that you can wear. And so there's thinks T-H-I-N-X. T-H-I-N-X. <laughs> I and just said think. Um they perm- they sell washable reusable underwear that absorbs your period and are a more sustainable solution than having single use disposable products um so you can just wear them to replace pads, tampons, liners um or even um the diva cup um or to be worn with, you know, the diva cup or tampons as extra protection but then again that's just another way to reduce your waste because you're not it's it's underwear, you can just wash it. Yeah. Um, I also know people who do have washable panty liners mm-hmm. um, that their mom made, so oh. um, that's another option if you want that extra protection. It's not you don't have to give it up; you just can of use it. Interesting,
1: cool. So, want me to say my part? Yes. <laughs> uh, side note to oh people. yes, yeah, yeah. Side note to people who are concerned about low waste for birth control options and concerned about like packaging of that. (laughs) Don't be concerned about that. Like overall, just not having children is literally the best thing you can do as a human to decrease (laughs) greenhouse gases. So don't ever worry about your birth control packaging or waste or for using condoms, the waste from that because you are literally saving the earth from having a whole extra human in it, so. And and okay.
2: we've discussed how many Earths <laughs> we take, and I think like an average, you know, d- two Earths just to, to, to sustain our lifestyle. Per person, yeah. So yeah. by just having, by just not having a kid, you're it's saving. Even not
1: even no kids. It's just having one less kid. Even okay. So you could even if you were thinking of having. So if you're kids, thinking
0: about that, just having one, <laughs> <laughs> two back down to zero. <laughs> no, just kidding.
1: <laughs> That's a complicated issue, though. That it I'm is yeah. talking about yeah. for. Maybe us as Americans right now. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. yeah, let's not. We're not opening that can. Of yeah, worms we're just not yet.
2: We're not <laughs> <laughs> talking about. But that. yeah, it is just interesting. It's just good to think about and like yeah, interesting. Yes, when we're because that's part of the process. Yes. All right. So thanks for all your questions.
0: Thanks for listening. Yeah. And mm. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>